am I able to do this? Am I gonna be able to see this through? Will public coffee be a success? What, will we be able to, I guess me, will I be able to hack it and be a church planter here in the city? These are questions that I ask myself all the time. And that is just my current circumstance. That's where I'm at. It's, there's still a lot unknown when it comes to living out this dream that God has given us. But it also made me think about you guys. Like, what are your current circumstances that you're facing, some hurdles that you might have? Um, I, you know, I'm a mom, I have kids. Their hurdles are school. They talk about school all the time, too much homework, getting assignments in on time. So school is a hurdle for them. It could be work. I think there's always different things um, that we worry about when it comes to the work that we're doing. There's hurdles that we have to overcome. And then the thing that, an area that can be really hard is relationships. I think we are constantly facing hurdles when it comes to our relationships, whether those are friendships or whether they're romantic relationships. There's always circumstances that we find ourselves in and we're wondering, what do I do? Like, can I hack it? Am I gonna be able to do this? And I think often what we need to overcome hurdles is confidence. So for me, when I'm thinking about public coffee and starting public church and discipling people and all the rest, what I'm really asking myself is, like, am I confident in myself to be able to do this? But if I can't find that confidence within myself, then the question is, where do we find confidence? Will it just kind of magically, you know, appear out of nowhere, or one day we wake up and all of a sudden we have all the confidence in the world? So the question that I'm gonna hopefully help us process tonight is where do we find the confidence that we need for our circumstances? So we are in 1 Samuel chapter 10, and the verses that stood out to me this week are verses 6 to 11. So Evan, if you want to get that up for us. So this is, um, we are encountering Saul and Samuel in this, and so um, Saul is speaking a prophecy over Samuel. No, the other way around. Samuel is speaking a prophecy over Saul, and this is what he says to him. The Spirit of the Lord will come powerfully on you. You will prophesy with them, and you will be transformed. When these signs have happened to you, do whatever your circumstances require, because God is with you. Afterward, go ahead of me to Gilgal. I will come to you to offer burnt offerings and to sacrifice fellowship offerings. Wait seven days until I come to you and show you what to do. When Saul turned to leave Samuel, God changed his heart, and all the signs came about that day. When Saul and his servant arrived at Gibeah, a group of prophets met him. Then the Spirit of God came powerfully on him, and he prophesied along with them. Everyone who knew him previously and saw him prophesy with the prophets asked each other, what happened to the son of Kish? Is Saul also among the prophets? So from reading that, um, the main thing that I want us to take away from God's word today 
is that God is our confidence for our circumstances. So we see, again, in verse 6 to 8, we see Samuel prophesying for Saul. And what he, is, he says to him, the Holy Spirit is going to come. And when he does, the, Saul will prophesy and he will be transformed. And so God is the one that gave him what he needed to do the work that God is asking Saul to do as king. We read that in the earlier part of the chapter that he is God's chosen one to be the king, first king for Israel. And he says, after these signs, so the prophecy and being transformed, he says, do whatever your circumstances require. And the reason that he can have confidence in his circumstances is because he says, God is with you. So prophecy is a form of teaching. So it's a message often that is um, on behalf of God speaking to his people. It can be about behavior or future events. And at this point in time in the church history, there haven't been that many prophets. So actually a couple weeks ago, I preached about Deborah and the fact that she was a prophet and a judge. And she was one of the first judges to also be a prophet. And so now we're seeing Saul being called to king, and God is also imparting his spirit on him in a powerful way, leading to prophecy. But it's not just about Saul being, um, in a way, like a priest to the people, you know, a messenger on behalf of God. He says when the, the spirit of God comes on Saul, he will prophesy, but he will also be transformed. And I remember being an early Christian and people saying like, you know, you're, you're made new, you're born again, like you're gonna be transformed. And thinking like, okay, but what about me from before? <laughs> it's still gonna be the same. Like, what is being transformed? But when we look at the Hebrew behind this, it means that he, he is being changed without losing his characteristics of essence. Like, you know, who I was before I said yes to relationship with Jesus. A lot of who I was then, I am still now. But I know that through the power of the Holy Spirit, God is changing things about me. And we see later on in the verse what God first transformed in Saul, and that was his heart. So this, like I said, in the Old Testament only really happened for specific people. But for us as New Testament Christians... We are, we are living what Joel prophesied. So Evan, if you want to bring this up, this is Joel 28, or 228. And it says, after this, I will pour out my spirit on all humanity. Then your sons and your daughters will prophesy. Your old men will have dreams and your young men will see visions. So what we're seeing is that in the New Testament, after the day of Pentecost, when the Holy Spirit came and rested on all of the people waiting, that the Holy Spirit is now given for everybody. He's not selective, right? I remember, <clears throat> I think, oh, now I'm like ad-libbing and this might not be good, but there was a part, I think it is when Samuel, anybody remember who Samuel apprentices? And he asked for a double portion? Bond, I'm looking at you. I feel like you would know these details. But I remember there was two prophets, one was an apprentice, and when the first prophet went, 
the second prophet said, I want a double portion of the Lord's spirit. Like he just knew that there was power in God's spirit and, and he wanted a double portion of that. Well, for us, Elijah and Elisha, I knew Vaughn would have it. Thank you. Um, but for us, we can ask God for his anointing. We can ask for the Holy Spirit to be with us, but he is available for us equally. We don't have to worry about it. And we will live in the same power that God was giving Saul to be king. Like, when you think about that, that's kind of crazy. Like, I'm not going to be the queen of Israel or the king or, you know, but I have the same power that God was giving Saul. You have the same power that God was giving Saul to live out the life that God's asking you to live for your circumstances. But what we see, again, like I mentioned, is the first thing that God transformed for Saul was his heart. And so we can have all the charisma. We can be the smartest people in the room. We can, I don't know, be a great athlete. But what we are seeing, the thing that actually came into Saul's life and changed him was a miracle. It was God. Um, inter intervening in his life through this miracle of changing his heart. And when you look at the Hebrew behind heart, like often we think of just emotions, you know, like follow your heart. Or, I, I'm so in love with this person. Like my heart is just overwhelmed with love. Like we often equate it just to our emotions. But when you look behind the Hebrew word, it's our thoughts, our volition, which means our will, like our desire to do certain things or not to do them. Our emotions are a part of what God can change, but also our conscience. So what he's saying in that moment when God intervened and changed Saul's heart, all of this happened in a moment for him. His thoughts, his will, his emotions, his conscience are transformed, they're changed. And because that happened, like we see in verse 10 and 11, the signs happen and Paul or Saul prophesies. And what we're seeing is that God's word through Samuel, the prophecy that he gave that Saul would prophesy came to pass. So this was a great sign and wonder for the people, you know, that would have been in their sphere of influence. You know, they would see what was going on in in each of these people's lives and they would see God working amongst them. So Samuel wanted Saul to know that, that these things would happen because God was with him. He could confidently face whatever the circumstances required, right? He was about to be king. He didn't know what that meant, but because he had God, because of the signs that he experienced, he could have confidence in whatever he had to do. And it's interesting, even after this has all happened, the people that he's interacting with, the prophets that he is prophesying with, ask the questions, well, what happened to the son of Kish? So you see this lack of confidence that these men have in Saul. But what's interesting is that the religious leaders of the day when Jesus was walking on earth also had a lack of confidence in Jesus. So Evan, if you want to bring up that scripture, it says, when Jesus had finished these parables, he left there. He went to his hometown and began to teach them in their synagogue so that they were astonished and said, 
Where did this man get this wisdom and these miraculous powers? Isn't this the carpenter's son? Isn't his mother called Mary and his brothers James, Joseph, Simon, and Judas? And his sisters, aren't they all with us? So where does he get all these things? And they were offended by him. And actually during the, the Bible study, Haven pointed out that when Saul was, you know, so they had the whole, all, all of Israel, they're trying to find out who's going to be the king. Then it narrows down to the tribe of Benjamin, and then it narrows down to Saul. And what's the reaction that they have is, Saul? <laughs> they're offended by this. But I think what we can take away from this is that we don't look to ourselves for confidence, and we don't look really sometimes in, with, to other people that are in our life for confidence, right? Like in, it, in, in some circumstances, they can actually take away confidence from us. They can say things that make us doubt this, our circumstances or the, the call that God's asked us to fulfill. Um, so what we need to do is to look to God for confidence. So the question that I have, just to ponder, on is have you had this kind of encounter with God, right? So Saul knows of God. He is an Israelite. He's of the tribe of Benjamin. Um, so he knows of God, but it isn't until he has this really divine encounter with him that his heart is changed. And what we see, um, Evan, if you want to bring up the first chunk from 1 Samuel, it says that Saul turned to leave. So there was a part of Saul that believed what had been prophesied over him, right? He didn't, he didn't stay there and question what Samuel had said to him. He took him at his word, and he trusted God enough to say, okay, if this is what needs to happen, then he turned to walk away. And then his heart was changed. So I think often we can know of God, we can believe God, but have we had this kind of like heart-changing encounter where it may be somebody prophesying, you know, saying this is what I see God asking you to do with your life and being obedient to it. But I think it, it, it happens in so many different ways. Um, But yeah, have you had that kind of encounter with God? Have you seen signs of God in your life, right? So that was the fulfillment of the prophecy was that he would prophesy and that he would be transformed. And I think sometimes we can remember something like from long ago, you know, a sign from God long ago or an experience that we've had, but Maybe we haven't experienced it at all, or maybe we just haven't for a while. And what I, th I think God is saying to us is to have these encounters with him, to have confidence in our circumstances, we need the Holy Spirit. Because the Holy Spirit was the agent that started all of this for Saul, right? He came powerfully upon Saul, and then he prophesied then he was transformed. So I guess my big question is, when was the last time you invited the Holy Spirit into your life? 
When was the last time you acknowledged that you don't have enough within yourself for the circumstances that you face? And that's what God is trying to say to us is that when we invite him in, it doesn't matter what we face. It doesn't mean what we face is gonna be easy. If anything, sometimes when we say yes to God, it makes our circumstances seem harder. But what he's saying is, well, when you invite me into those things, you can have confidence in what you're doing. And you will do that with a changed heart. And I think another thing, and maybe this is just God speaking to me personally, but the message that I, I got when I was praying and processing the scripture was, if we can have confidence in our circumstances, if God is saying, because I am with you, do whatever your circumstances require, to me, the good news in that is that I don't have to overthink everything, <laughs> you know? I don't have to, I mean, we have, again, going back to public coffee, we have a budget. We're trying to do, you know, the best that we can with the resources that God's given us. Um, you know, we're trying to live every day for him. But I think what he is saying, for us and as a church, but also like just as his people, is that we don't have to overthink everything. If we have allowed him to come into our life and change us, if our conscience are, you know, the, the thing that helps us decide between good and evil, if that has been transformed by the Holy Spirit, if we've surrendered our emotions to him, if we have given him our life, then we don't have to overthink everything. The way that this is worded in the New Testament is that we will have the mind of Christ. There's a scripture in the New Testament that says, who knows the mind of God? Because we are mere humans, you know? So who are we to think we know the mind of God? But the scripture tells us, but we can take on the mind of Christ. And I believe that is what happens as we allow God to transform our life. And that's what he wants for us. That's a promise. Right? So if we say, God, we're here, we're available for you, we want this, he's going to do what he says he'll do. So as I've mentioned, and this is a bit of a confession for me, I am terrified. I am scared to be an owner-operator of public coffee. And, but for me, um, again, the confidence, I'm trying... When I get overwhelmed, it's because I'm trying to find the confidence within myself to do what God is asking me to do. And I'm sure that you are facing circumstances that scare you. You know, there's so many unknowns that we have in our lives. And we can't control everything. We don't know how everything's going to work out. But we have God to surrender that all to. But I can testify. I have seen signs in my life. I've seen God do awesome things for me and my family and people I know and love. And so when I'm in these circumstances that scare me, I have testimony, I have story of what God has done and I can turn back to that and believe him for my current circumstances. So in Christ, no matter what we're facing, we can have confidence in our circumstances. Amen? Will you join me in prayer?
confidence in our circumstances. Yeah, God. Um, again, I just confess there have been many times in my life where I've said, I trust you. And then a new circumstance comes along and I second guess that. Do I really trust you? Do I really have confidence in the circumstances that I'm facing? But I do want to give you glory tonight and testify that you've been so good to me. You've been so good to our church. And you're not going to stop being good. And God, you care about things like trying to start a coffee shop, uh, but you also care about all of the little intimate details of our life as well. So Holy Spirit, um, I'm asking for you to come and be with us, to come powerfully on us. God, you want all of your children to prophesy. And I believe the biggest thing of that is just to teach people about you. And again, what I love about doing the Bible study together here is that we get to learn from one another. We get to prophesy and speak your truth into each other's lives. And you want to transform us. God, you said in your word that when you can trust us with a little, then eventually you will trust us with a lot. And I don't think we're ever ready <laughs> for the lot. But Jesus, you also said that you came to give us an abundant life. And so we just recognize to, to live this life, we need the mind of Christ. We need your presence. We need you. We pray these things in your name, Jesus. Amen. I'm going to invite Haven and Evan up to lead us in a couple of songs.
Come. 